we're back for the new episode of the Earwig Review, episode number eight. Begin with the posts, and then we'll move on to some new fiction. Last week, I was talking about some frustrations in perfectionism, working on certain prose pieces over and over again, and feeling like it wasn't servicing them like going too far into detail. And throughout the week, I was still working on my new project and making progress. It wasn't um, any version of hell, but I had an itch to write more like I have been in the posts. Eventually, I look forward to combining the two voices, one being the voice of the daily posts that we read on, on the Earwig Review and the pros and I see the disconnect and I'd like for them to overlap more so I'll read something new at the end of today's episode that I only wrote and didn't edit, but I felt good about, and it was at the high point, and I had fun with it, and then I let it go, and that was Friday, Saturday's off, and now here we are on Sunday to read it, so, similar process to the posts write them feel some sense of accomplishment or satisfaction excitement whatever moving on to the next day I I have more fun doing that than Well, I go through phases. Sometimes I love to edit over and over, going over the words. But at this point, I have this suspicion that my use, where I can be create the the best version of my writing might be 
more so in the spontaneity and the subconscious style of it rather than ironing it over and over and creating these more dense perfectionist um, stories. The answer in the end inevitably always is and in this case likely will be a mix of both. But I would rather have more fun right now and do the thing that feels more it feels like more of a risk to write something that is not perfect than to slave over it and spin around over and over again trying to get it to be that way because I, I don't think that's my strength so let's see what happens and let me say the reason I feel like the reason I'm what's interesting is you know this is the eighth episode so two months of doing these recordings doing this podcast um, eight weeks ago I didn't even know if I could um, talk for more than three minutes about anything and now I'm realizing that I can um, like it or not I've seen, I have the ability to talk alone using these things that I write each day and um, and I'm getting a lot out of it so I will continue and now seeing where this process makes me progress and following that intuition is exciting and um, and it's good and I think and we'll see about this but the post as a whole this week I have the feeling the overarching feeling that they're not that good now what I've noticed is sometimes I go in with it and and I by the end of it I talk myself into understanding the bigger picture and just and realizing that I actually am quite happy with what was written that week so we'll see if that happens but right now I'm going into this unsure that there's any quality writing ahead but that is that not the point of this is that not the fun of this it's the entire premise of of this show two two glaring issues one this is the first time in uh since i was on set i think last two summers ago that i 
didn't that I missed posts. I missed I think last Sunday and Monday and then I had to catch up through the week. It uh, very much throws me off of my throws me out of my element. Usually it's very consistent. Uh don't have an issue with that, but being out of town with family um seems to be the thing that can really throw me off of my usual routine. So, that's one issue where I feel like I was off the ball. The other issue... Let's see how I can explain this. Is that the the level of drama in the posts, I knew when I sat down to write each day, I think from being sick two weeks ago, and from being out of town and not having the freedom to sit down and write, have my time as usual, I was so elated and so happy to just sit down and write that I, I feel like that was the reward and usually I take that a little more for granted and it's more ordinary and I can find the satisfaction through the writing of whatever but in this week in this particular case I was just happy to sit at my desk and look at the fucking keyboard um, so I you know, I don't know if I was able to access anything interesting on top of that. Let's find out. First post, the Well of Doom. The Well of Doom was in fact a place of immense inspiration. Some crumbs had fallen off in everything bagel. Sesame seeds, poppy seeds, dried onion flakes. Melted cheese was doomed to melt. Cheese melted in the sun. Cheese melted in the microwave. Liquid cheese and dried liquid cheese. I'm unsure what I'm saying exactly, but it is a jovial time. And I'm especially happy in this moment to be sitting at the computer here and getting the time to write some things down. I'm not looking down the well of doom at the moment. Instead, I'm looking at some passing cloud that has broken up the sun, but do not think I will forget the main attraction, my profession, looking down the well of doom. And there you have it. A summary of all of the preamble was written down last week in the posts and this seems to be a new habit where I say a bunch of things and then the, the writing speaks for itself and renders all of that useless anyway but not I think the I I don't I read these for the first time again 
when I sit down in, on the show. So you can see similarities there. The Well of Doom was in fact a place of immense inspiration. Some crumbs had fallen off and everything bagel. Sesame seeds, poppy seeds, dried onion flakes. Melted cheese was doomed to melt. Cheese melted in the sun. Cheese melted in the microwave. Liquid cheese and dried liquid cheese. I'm unsure what I'm saying exactly, but it is a jovial time, and I'm especially happy in this moment to be sitting at the computer here and getting the time to write some things down. I'm not looking down the well of doom at the moment. Instead, I'm looking at some passing cloud that has broken up the sun. But do not think I will forget the main attraction, my profession, looking down the well of doom. There's a lot I'm happy about. I think it's clear, and I am, I am, the, all the lines about cheese are working for whatever reason, I don't know. And I like the admission of uncertainty. I'm unsure what I'm saying exactly, but it's a jovial time. That feels very influenced from doing the podcast. I feel like that's a result of me. And I was very scared of this before I started doing the podcast, that it would become, by reading these and reflecting on them, that the ways in which they would, this process would influence the posts themselves would, you know, create a snake chasing its own tail-esque thing. Um, but there it is. There's an example of, of, I think, me speaking through the voice that I've, basically discovered from doing the show and it, and it works i think it's fine i'm especially happy in this moment to be sitting at the computer here and getting the time to write some things down and that feels like a big part of my life it's ever since i was a little kid just you know this thing about getting to go on the computer it doesn't feel as novel as it did you know, back then in the mid, early, late 90s, 2000s, where, you know, I was young and I'm just going to, I'm going to go on the computer. What are you doing? I'm gonna, well, let me go on the computer for a few hours and I'm going to live my life, you know, play video games, write weird stuff, go chat with people, go on the internet, you know, as the technology grew. And now it feels a little different because we're always kind of on the computer, phones, you know, these kind of devices, etc. But there's something, if I think of my whole life, one of the, my favorite things has always been to be, to have my, to have peace and quiet and to sit on the computer and to go on the computer. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not looking down the well of doom at the moment. Instead, I'm looking at some passing cloud. So I, this is where I understand what it's, what I'm saying, but I feel like it's, um, it's getting cheesy, but it's also true. It's another one of those times where, you know, maybe I could have buried the lead with more cryptic metaphor or deleted it or something but um i'm 
I'm uncomfortable by this the rest of the post here. Instead, so it's you know this kind of cheesy optimism where I'm not looking into the well of doom. I'm looking up at the sky, at the passing cloud that has broken up the sun. I, that line I don't really get. I think it's just the um, image of a a cloud passing by a the sun you know it's uh one uh thing i think is super cheesy but we always do when you're filming and there's the shot of uh, the the sun coming through the window and the dust in the ray of light and it's just like general ambience and stupid it's a really dumb shot but it's kind of uh you know oh look at the bright cool light it's like how monkeys look at fireworks you know um in this kind of like more thoughtful way but it's you know it's a dumb shot i don't like it but i totally get the impulse to want to shoot it and thinking you know that it will be useful but whatever so this is a version of that and i'm completely criticizing the writing here i think this should have been changed um i'm looking at some passing cloud that has broken the sun but do not think I will forget the main attraction, my profession, looking down the well of doom. So again, this idea of the profession, the, uh, you know, the the writer's work to kind of look into the, the well of doom, totally cheesy and dumb. But it's also true, you know, I think the... Uh, I think what, where I was at when I wrote this was something along the lines of taking, basically um, doing the exorcism of all of your, the dark thoughts you have, inevitably, kind of shadow self, and getting them all out and finding a home for them managing them in the writing so that you can go about your daily life um, free of of all of that what better place for for those kind of fears and anxieties and you know all that negativity than than in something like this and that's something that I that's worked for me and allows me to give a proper home for all that stuff, for the most part, when things are going well. And um you know, it's it's also what's entertaining on the other end, conflict, uh things going wrong, murder you know, people doing things they shouldn't do. This is what we love to watch in TV and movies and reading books. So, you know, it is the 
it's that's the job is to do that kind of stuff and if there's nothing dark about what you're working on generally boring um, now that's not entirely true well maybe it is you know I'm thinking of like a dance competition show there's a lot of positivity it's harder to kind of pick out the conflict but for every person that succeeds there's the stakes are very high for all of the involved parties and you know two people win the show and eight people lose and are devastated uh you know stakes conflict etc so it's all there um whatever the uh it's the self-conscious kind of way of being when things are going well and it's also you know can be boring and almost difficult to maintain in that um trying to putting the effort into be happy about what you have um is taxing in its own way it's a skill set right skill set you acquire throughout through time um Okay, next up, from the garden to the road. A turnip snail fast forwards from the garden to the road. The impatient creature has made no sacrifice, nor should it. Remain oblivious, remain inside of a tape measure, have access to your email inbox at all times. I do not mean to stress the modern day of it all. The dumb part is obvious. A turnip snail fast forwards to the dirt from the garden to the road, checking its email obsessively, but there is no shortcut and there is no escape. There is only the dirt along the path from the garden to the road. Good. Um, and I think, you know, again, reverting back to, to the preamble, seeing this talk about email inbox and you know the modern day of it all and uh, it's, a, it's a discussion that came up a few years ago and it's, you know there's a lot of cliches around you know how we view our, our almost collective um, worry and, and almost shame about our, our attention spans and how they've been affected through the technology of the day. And I think what I'm trying to talk about is how obvious and, and basically dumb those conversations are um, in that they're so... It's hard to say anything interesting or new about that, except for like, oh, I guess we're all idiots now. Ha ha ha. Look at those people eating dinner with their phones. Oh, we're so disconnected. Oh, how sad. We should go outside more. 
you know, it's it's a very uninteresting, uh, and I think um, it's all very hyperbolic. Just go outside, you know, go exercise. I don't think people are not doing those things. It, anyway, it's uh, by saying people aren't doing those things, making those mass generalizations and thinking in such general terms. Um, I think that's a, that's dumb, right? And uh, I guess I'm trying to find um, a different angle that feels more true to um, to what it is, and maybe this comes from. You know, as I was saying before, being of a generation that really grew up with the way that this technology came into the domestic world. You know, I feel like as I was, once I was, we got our first computer when I was maybe three, like I was old enough to kind of press the buttons and so I grew with it. And by the you know the first internet connections at school, people were getting internet when I was like 12. You know, old enough to like, just old enough to understand um, what it could be used for or to, you know, use it at that time, at least. And, uh, you know, cell phones Everyone started getting cell phones in my last years of high school. So I feel like I was, I was very on par with, I grew with the technology in a pretty aligned way. Um, so I feel an affinity towards that. So coming from that kind of generation and thinking of, you know, all of these kind of cliches and stereotypes and all of the kind of ordinary ways of thinking about it all just seems very obvious and dumb to me. And so what's, what's next i guess what what's um how do we kind of leave behind all of that self-conscious stuff and either use this stuff to our advantage or do away with it and you know get on a the right diet that you don't have to stand around thinking of being a, uh, a slave or an, an addict to your compulsions to using the phone just getting over that shit and growing up essentially because it's all you know, a lot of these um, conversations and, and I think devices have kept us um, as children. We've kind of, even so many of the, you know, watching um, someone who didn't grow up with this tech try to use it, they kind of seem like infantile about it. It's just like, figure it out. We got to just figure it out and grow up. Um, but it's this, it's all so new. It all was so new and, and it's actually super normal to get used to it fast. Anyway, I think that's what I was prodding at with this whole thing. A turnip snail fast forwards from the garden to the road. The impatient creature has made no sacrifice, nor should it. 
remain oblivious, remain inside of a tape measure, have access to your email inbox at all times. I do not mean to stress the modern day of it all. The dumb part is obvious. A turnip snail fast forwards through the dirt from the garden to the road, checking its email obsessively, but there is no shortcut and there is no escape. There is only the dirt along the path from the garden to the road. All right, I get it now. It helps to talk. And I think this idea of the, the turnip snail, you know, what the hell is that? It's basically a, I think what it is is a pretty average snail that happened to have been uh, born in a, in a turnip patch. And, uh, and they have internet. Why the turnip? Why the turnip? The snail I can get. Snails are funny. They're gooey. They have a hard shell. They're slow. They're so slow that it's funny to think of them going fast. They made a movie with this premise a few years ago. The, I, you know, the poster alone, it was funny because it was about a, the fastest snail in the world. Ha ha ha. But the turnip. Maybe it's the, uh, you know, if ever a vegetable that is so hard to, so bland. I mean, it's good, but it's hard to know what to do with. And I don't think anyone... It'd be interesting to meet someone whose favorite vegetable was a turnip. turnip snail fast forwards from the garden to the road the impatient creature has made no sacrifice nor should it remain oblivious remain inside of a tape measure simply thinking of the snail as a tape measure its shell and the gooey part being the yellow thing have access to your email inbox at all times. I do not mean to stress the modern day of it all. The dumb part is obvious. Turnip snail fast forwards through the dirt from the garden to the road, checking its email obsessively. And I think this is all that it's really trying to conclude is there is no shortcut and there's no escape. So, you know, go off and be a Luddite and live in the woods and, you know, get offline. But it's it's too late for that right like there's no getting off of the uh the mass connectivity of the internet at this point there's no escaping it and there's no shortcut to you know maybe not dealing with it there's only the dirt along the path and the guard to the road so Oh, it's, I think it's this was really just about accepting the uh, the way things have gotten. So, the Well of Doom. I suppose I'm looking for the connection between the two, and I, I see it. It's it's really about work and the internet and accepting that kind of world of things. 
Excellence hiding in snot. Third post of the week. This is from October 12th. So these were both written on October 12th because I was playing catch up. Which, you know, it isn't... Doing two a day, it doesn't have the same magic as one a day. There's just something about the release of it and the pace of it. But I was playing catch up and uh, let's see what happened on the second post of October 12th. Third post of the week. Excellence hiding in snot. Something at the end. Past the point where anyone can see it. Including me. It has become compulsory to imagine the limit of my thoughts and then think past them or else everything will be obvious and I don't think that will help anyone or anything. Perhaps there is a lamb standing beneath the street lamp. Perhaps there is an inanimate shadow reflecting off its own ass. There is always excellence hiding in snot. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's always excellence hiding in snot. A lamb standing beneath the street lamp, an inanimate shadow reflecting off its own ass. I think you know what I mean. And if you don't, that's okay. Two, you'll be okay. Now, here's a earwig review first. I'm going to pause the show in order to use the restroom. Please stand by. And we're back. Okay, let's figure this out. Excellence hiding in snot. Something at the end, past the point where anyone can see it, including me. I can see, I remember now this is also about the work. And when I say the work, I mean the writing. Something at the end, past the point where anyone could see it, including me. It has become compulsory to imagine the limit of my thoughts and then think past them, or else everything will be obvious. And I don't think that will help anyone or anything. Using that metaphor of the well of doom, I think then I gotta say again I just don't love the metaphor of the well of doom like I just, you know it's not it's just such a it's, it doesn't do it for me but it but it is it does make sense anyway you gotta there's no end to a dark well and I think the way it can feel when you're writing new things is that the end of it you have to see past the end see past where where you know cat trying to get in and out of the doorway It has become compulsory to imagine the limit of my thoughts and then think past them or else everything will be obvious and I don't think that will help anyone or anything. So that much is clear. I get that. Perhaps there is a lamb standing beneath a street lamp. 
Perhaps there's an inanimate shadow reflecting off its own ass. There's always excellence hiding in snot. I said it before and I'll say it again. There's always excellence hiding in snot. A lamb standing beneath the street lamp, an inanimate shadow reflecting off its own ass. I think you know what I mean, and if you don't, that's okay too. You'll be okay. What am I seeing here? I don't... This one? I got nothing. And I think... It's a... It's a fallacy in the whole way of thinking. <laughs> it goes, okay, try to think beyond, and keyword try, try to think beyond what you're able to. And in doing that, this idea of this lamb standing beneath the street lamp shows up and it's perhaps completely meaningless so much so that it repeats and, and I think the post the writing tries to stand by it and tries to trust that intuition that it must have come from somewhere that the antenna was tuned correctly. But. There's nothing there. And the. And the ending two. Phrases. I think you know what I mean. Which. Obviously. You don't. And if you don't. That's okay. Too. you'll be okay one of the hazards of this kind of writing is the fear of not making sense and writing jargon and having it be meaningless and so I think this is kind of a um, it's a reflection on all of that trying to accept it but also not wanting not being comfortable with it it's not about wanting it's about the level of comfort and it makes me uncomfortable when it's completely random and I can't find a through line now I'm seeing the through line throughout the week which I didn't see before and I'm starting to become clear to me where my thoughts were and it was a it's about writing itself which okay that's fine not um not the most exciting topic writing about writing writing about creative process all that kind of stuff but i suppose i have to um accept that that's what it's about and considering how sick and chaotic and busy I was the week before, I think, you know, this padded kind of celebration of being able to just um, sit and do my work and that and trying to understand the work from 
uh, this current angle. I mean, it is what it is, right? Excellence hiding in snot. And now the title becomes a lot more clear. This kind of sarcasm of it. Snot is not excellent. Is it? The Wheelhouse of Fortitude. October 13th. This is again October 13th. was a two-post day. Let's see where I started. The Wheelhouse of Fortitude is abysmal without suffering. A skunk unfortunately has died and its organs are there on the road. I know that a mouse ran off with its spleen, but the opossum got its stomach. You see, inside of its stomach was a mouse that the opossum was hunting for hours. When that skunk came in and stole it for himself, so when the skunk died, the opossum was there to get the mouse back. Justice, revenge, not necessarily in that order. I must return to the notion of the wheelhouse. The wheelhouse fortitude is abysmal without suffering, said the mouse, and now I understand his sentiment. But I'm left wondering something, and I'm sure you are thinking it as well. Who killed the skunk, and was it the opossum, or could it have been the mouse after all? So, one of the big mysteries of the week was who killed the skunk now I think what's happening is it's again there's a kind of the self-conscious um, part of knowing there's there was not enough drama this week where I wasn't focused enough to get in on anything I found that stimulating intellectually and so it's almost like writing a like a pulp detective story you know out of my kind of usual rodent kind of going through the streets and being kind of gross you know I write about those things quite a bit and now we've kind of built a um, this kind of cartoon noir out of it, trying to you know up the drama for for this week's episode, and it's funny. Um, it's it's uh, I am happy about it. So you know. It's good. Nothing to pursue farther than a simple post. I don't want to go ahead and write this as a freaking book or a screenplay or something. But I think as a whole, as I'm kind of building the the week's narrative, it's funny. Say, oh, it's isn't it great to sit down and write and, uh, you know, <laughs> look... Um, try to deal with all this negativity oh, I'm so serious and uh, you know get all these demons out and go down those those kind of roads 
And it's like, yeah, I don't really have anything to say right now. It's all just kind of random scribbles, sketching, throwing pencil lead at the uh, at a magnet, you know. And uh, well, how about this little noir about a mouse and a skunk and an opossum? <laughs> And who killed who? And and also here's a uh, kind of a here's a very deep um, kind of philosophy behind it. The uh, the wheelhouse of fortitude is abysmal without suffering. <laughs> oh yes. So there's kind of the uh, you know there's the deep philosophy. The wheelhouse. Fortitude is abysmal without suffering. A skunk, unfortunately, has died, and its organs are there on the road. I know that a mouse ran off with its spleen, but the opossum got its stomach. So you've got your dead skunk, and then the mouse and the opossum running off with its organs. They want to eat it, eating this dead skunk. You see it. It's, you know, dead skunk on the road with its organs everywhere, with its guts everywhere on the pavement. It got hit by a car, generally, right? That's the, I think that's the general assumption. But in this case, you see inside of its stomach was a mouse that the opossum was hunting for hours. So... The, the opossum was hunting a mouse and it ate it. But then the skunk came in and stole it for himself. So when the skunk died, the opossum was there to get the mouse back. So the opossum was trying to get revenge on the skunk because it ate the mouse that it was hunting. And meanwhile, another mouse ate the guts of the skunk. It would have been bad if the mouse ate the skunk's stomach that had a a mouse that it ate in it already. Cannibalism. Mouse eating another mouse. A mouse eating a digested mouse that the skunk ate. And the opossum was angry at the skunk for stealing the thing that it was hunting for hours. So, when the skunk died, the opossum was there to get the mouse back. Justice, revenge, not necessarily in that order. What a twist. What a strange detail. I must return to the notion of the wheelhouse. The wheelhouse of the fortitude. The wheelhouse of fortitude is abysmal. Without suffering, said the mouse. Oh, it was the mouse that said this, was it? And now I understand his sentiment. So maybe it was the mouse. Maybe 
It was the possum. Or maybe the killing was random. We gotta know. And we really need to develop this story. I know I said I wasn't going to write it as a novel or a screenplay or anything, but if you got to know these characters, you got to, you know, maybe we get to know the mouse. Mouse is the main character of this. And the other mouse that got eaten was its um, twin brother. And um, they've been estranged. And the, the mouse, you know, he's living the scoundrel life. And he comes across this dead body. And basically, does he rob the body? Or does he, you know, pretend like he never saw it? Or does he call in the, uh, the police? What's the right thing to do? And he goes to rob the body. So he does the wrong thing. I don't know if it's the wrong thing. Well, he does that survival that's who he is and then he would see that his brother was in his long lost brother had been eaten and then he would have a lot of motive to find out what happened how did his long lost brother die but then Eventually what would happen is he would be framed for the murder, but we know, or maybe he thinks, that it was the possum that killed the skunk for stealing the food, which was the other mouse's brother. Lots of twists and turns, many directions this mystery could take. So, not bad, the wheelhouse of fortitude. Now, the second post on October 13th, the iguana. The iguana. Dried toothpaste in the sewer. Cat food that the cat didn't like. Sardines swim free through sewage, dead or alive. Some kid's pet iguana jumped into the drain. He had no idea what he was doing, but he will be missed by the kid. He lived in his room by his bed. Did the cat eat him instead of his cat food? Did the iguana escape without even realizing it? That poor kid lost his pet iguana. He will always remember him for the rest of his days. He loved that iguana and now he must grieve, but he does not know how. And when he spits his toothpaste into the sink, he does not know that's where his iguana went. Instead, the kid will sit at his desk and write a letter to his iguana. He will write that he misses him on a piece of paper. The kid went downstairs and spoke to his mother. He told her that he needs to start doing drugs to handle the loss. She does not know how to respond, and she is slowly panicking. She is thinking about what the kid said constantly, even when she is dumping sardines down the sink because the cat won't eat them. He is an unbelievably picky cat. And as I sit here, I realize the mother's worry is entirely frivolous, and the kid's pain was entirely frivolous. There is no and never was an iguana. I'm sorry for bothering you with this, but I'm still sad about it all. I'm sad for the kid and the mom and the sardines and the cat and the toothpaste and the sewage and the iguana. Interesting. 
tying the whole thing together. It's a similar story, these kind of dead dead creatures in last time they were kind of in the street in the gutter and now they're we're in the sewer um, and it's very I very quickly take these thoughts this kind of age that this kid probably was and relate it to what I was talking about before with the computer sitting on the computer and having that be this kind of uh, freedom and excitement and um, you know I can see the connection there some dried toothpaste in the sewer cat food that the cat didn't like sardines swim free through sewage dead or alive some kid's pet iguana jumped into the drain he had no idea what he was doing he will be missed by the kid. So it's, uh, you know, losing a pet, losing a loved one. That will always be a part that won't ever stop. You know, right now I have a pet that I love dearly. And that won't ever go away. And eventually the time will come for us to separate. And that will never go away. So, you know, writing about that is important. And this is, that's what this is about. And without getting, turning this into a complete fucking self-help book, there is something about pets and your the point of view of yourself your as a child that I think are always that are often connected. I think that even when you're old, you see a, a pet and you become your a young version of yourself. It's almost like whatever stagnant development, stagnant phase of development. Let me let me rephrase that. Whatever phase of development that was f- basically frozen, that you had to leave behind, that you weren't able, that you had to let go of, or that kind of got tamped down, comes back with your pet now I, I don't think everyone's like this but a lot of people are and I think it would take uh, could show a lot of maturity to you know not talk to your pet in a baby voice give it silly names you know how we do this but there's something about that you see the animal and you kind of allow that side of yourself your personality to it finds a home there and then it's a lot of comfort and safety you feel. And you put all that energy that you weren't able to kind of bring into your adult life or to, to express, didn't know how to express or just had to kind of, didn't know how to connect to anyone else at all. It goes through your pet. 
and uh, a lot of big emotions there. And I I know the ways that I do that with with my with my cat, and it's okay. Definitely is okay. Dried toothpaste in the sewer. Cat food that the cat didn't like. Sardines swim free through sewage, dead or alive. Some kid's pet iguana jumped into the drain. He had no idea what he was doing, but he will be missed by the kid. He lived in his room by his bed. Did the cat eat him instead of his cat food? Did the iguana escape without even realizing it? That poor kid lost his pet iguana. So, again, continuing with this murder mystery theme. But in this case, you know, a little different. But still, wondering where the iguana went. And also, the kid in this story seems to love the iguana, but doesn't really care too much about the cat, for whatever reason. Did the cat eat him instead of his cat food? Picky cat, he doesn't like the sardines. Did the cat, did the iguana escape without even realizing it? The poor kid lost his pet iguana. He will always remember him for the rest of his days. He loved that iguana and now he must grieve, but he does not know how. And when he spits his toothpaste into the sink, he does not know that's where his iguana went. Instead, the kid will sit at his desk and write a letter to his iguana. He will write that he misses him on a piece of paper. Alright, let's. This is the uh, specific to me note. Let's try and work this out. So. When I was a young kid, and I would get too upset, or alone, or angry, or happy, or <laughs> really, you know, I would, I would write things down in a notebook, on a piece of paper, or on the computer, on the word processor, on the computer. And... Uh, and I would deal with it that way. I don't know. I've always done that since I was very, very small. And I think I was just kind of reflecting and remembering that this last week, perhaps without realizing it. And I'm endlessly interested in in how, you know, say 50 years ago, you had your average author and they owned a motorized typewriter and a couple decades before they there was a non-motorized typewriter and a couple decades before there was a pen and a paper and reverting back 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 until whatever but is it fair to how much weight can be put on the technology and how the writing changes and does it how much does it matter essentially 
And sometimes I wonder, you know, I read a lot of books that were written likely on mechanic, on, on, um, electric typewriters. I think most of the books that I've like really, um, been inspired by a lot of them were written on electric typewriters and likely mechanical ones, meaning normal ones. And there's a certain speed in which you can write with those that you couldn't before. You couldn't, your hand couldn't keep up to those thoughts. And, you know, I'm always talking about getting, trying to write through the subconscious and being interested in what kind of intelligence lies within intuition and using these kind of random fucking images and trying to have some conviction with them in order to access that potential intelligence without going too far and having it be totally random. The sheep in the street lamp from, I think, the last post. Right? So the computer this tool that I feel ownership of in the age I was and my development is you could write faster. You could edit more ruthlessly and delete huge pieces of, of information a lot faster. So your, your impulses of, oh, I just wrote a page that I hate. Select all delete. You know, okay, maybe you ripped it out of the typewriter, crumpled up and threw it in the trash and never saw it again. But, you know, things might have been, you wouldn't have wasted so much paper. It wasn't so, also frivolous. And I just wonder... What I think I'm... kind of going back and forth with is half of me wants to pretend like I'm writing in the most without any technology and pretend that I'm just writing with a pencil and paper and what's the most like natural kind of um, what's the most organic kind of minimal form of this versus Am I relying too much on these tools and just become stupider and stupider? Um, and letting the technology kind of just uh, be the boss, essentially, and own me instead of owning it and using it as a tool and getting a better result from it. So where's where do you kind of land? So I'm really starting to put this week together actually and it's, it's I'm, I'm happy that it seems less dumb the and, and less kind of just you know la 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 whatever it makes sense starting to make sense what I what I was doing 
The kid went downstairs and spoke to his mother. He told her that he needs to start doing drugs to handle the loss. <laughs> it's like, this kid's got these big emotions. He can't really manage them, so he's writing things down. But it's not enough, right? He's like, uh, I think I need something else. I'm going to need to uh, start doing drugs to handle this. <laughs> and that's funny for so many reasons. Um both you know my impulse to go out and find all of the drugs and try them when I was a kid and the fact that I was prescribed um, you know a lot of ADHD drugs uh, age I think 12 onward maybe 13 or something onward um and the way in which, you know, we talk about this ADD generation with all of the devices and all of this technology. And I feel like um, before people said that, I was like, hey, I like got the ADD bug early on. And so by the time people started kind of calling our whole generation because of this technology, accuse putting accusing it of the ADD thing I was already like well I've already had that fucking thing for 10 years um, you know what do you want to know and also there's I don't know how much um, wisdom there is in, in these kind of uh, in that diagnosis by and large so I think I went through a lot of those years feeling one step ahead of the one step ahead of things in that one specific way. She does not know how to respond and she is slowly panicking. Poor mother. She's, she's thinking about what the kid said constantly, even when she's dumping sardines down the sink. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's trying to feed the, get the cat to eat. And uh, the cat won't eat. Because the cat won't eat them. He's an unbelievably picky cat. As cats are. We know this. As I sit here, I realize that the mother's worry is entirely frivolous. And the kid's pain was entirely frivolous. There is no and never was an iguana. I'm sorry for bothering you with this. But I'm sad about it all. So we're breaking the fiction of it. Which I've done on, a, I think, three out of three posts so far on this whole run talking going to second person the you of it all and uh sorry for bothering you with this so we've invented this fiction and it's almost like it gets too real and then it's like this is all this is frivolous this whole thing is for none of this is real so i'm kind of like almost backtracking as i'm kind of trying to uh walk around the uh, the minefield here getting too close to uh to things i'm sorry for bothering you with this but i'm still sad about it all so this again i think i'm learning to respect um fiction writing or i'm trying to learn to respect it i've always been trying to but you know talking about the my profession looking down the well of doom or you know i know this is all fake but i'm still sad about it and 
um, feeling like this, having this lifetime of writing thoughts out, writing things down in order to try to process them. I'm, I'm sad for the kid and the mom and the sardines and the cat and the toothpaste and the sewage and the iguana. It's good. It's good. This is, I think this is an important post for, for me. Um, I get it. The iguana. All right. Now let's look at October 14th. We're finally back on track. We've caught up from those ones we've missed. And we have a post called Eat Food, Watch TV, Go for a Walk. Last post of the week. I'm looking forward to eating a sandwich tomorrow for lunch. I'm looking forward to dumping a bottle of mustard onto the plate. I'm looking forward to eating some french fries. I'll sit on the couch and read the news and finish the book I'm reading. I'll feel lazy and bloated from eating the sandwich. And then I will watch some TV show and maybe I will nap and eventually go for a walk. It is boring and ordinary and good. I imagine a lot of people are going to be doing what I am. It is true that some guy will get murdered tomorrow and another guy will accidentally die. I doubt I will be either of those guys, but I suppose you never know. Regardless, I'm not going to live tomorrow like it is my last day on earth. But now that I think about it, even if it was, I don't know if I'd do every, anything differently. Eat food, watch TV, go for a walk. And that's exactly what I did yesterday, which was tomorrow at the time of writing this. Taking a break from, on Saturdays I always take a break from the computer. I shut down the computer and I try to do normal thanks just be a person and uh and these this is what we do I eat and i went out and i got that sandwich that i was imagining french fries and i finished the book i was reading and i read the news and i was so full i barely even ate dinner i just had an orange and some potato chips for dinner which is incredibly not what I usually do, but I'm so full <laughs> as I anticipated I would be the day before. And I watched a bit of TV. I didn't nap, but I did go for a walk. It was boring and ordinary and good. And yes, it's probably what most people were doing. And, t you know, here's that almost that bit of self-consciousness again of, uh, uh oh, no one died. So what's the point of writing it? And there's, you know, I think the the fun of the murder mystery of the detective noir of, you know, thinking about that earlier in the week, the need for that kind of story. And here I am again being like, well, someone will die on purpose and accidentally tomorrow, yesterday. And then I remember writing this and saying, I doubt it will be either of those guys, but I suppose you never know. I was, I wanted to write that I would, that I was 100% sure that I would not die, but I just couldn't do it. 
because it wasn't true. I really, that would have, I just couldn't write that. So it's interesting to put yourself in that exercise of, can I, with 100% certainty, can I say that I will be alive in 48 hours? And I don't, you can't, <laughs> you just can't. And, uh, and that's good. But the conclusion, regardless, I'm not going to live tomorrow like it is my last day on earth. Live every day like your last. Well, I don't know if I need that. But now that I think about it, even if it was, I don't know if I'd do anything different. If it was truly your last day on earth, I think living it like your average Saturday wouldn't be the worst idea. And if that doesn't ring true, I would suggest reassessing what you do on Saturdays. And that was the Earwig Review from October 11th to October 14th, a week out of sync, but, but back now. And I'll look forward to next week feeling a lot more organized and good. Now. Here is something I told you about in the beginning of this show. Some writing I did, some prose style writing, because I like reading some prose at the end of after the posts. It's something that, that I've done on the show that I want to continue doing, but I want to find a way to do it better because you've probably watched me, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there's this whole thing about the fucking... I so badly want to delete the first episode, episode one of Earwig Review, because I had no idea what I was doing, and it probably sounds so weird. I'm getting more self-conscious about it, but I can't, but I gotta, I gotta leave it. And I hope no one listens to it, but they will, if they want, it doesn't matter. But I'm looking forward to doing more of these things to drown it. But it will always be number one. It will always be there. And, you know, I think we have a way of, like, oh, so long ago. I didn't know I was doing it so much better at it now. But it's like, it's only been two months. It's nothing. So the version of yours, of you that was that was working two months ago is, uh, how much smarter could you possibly have gotten at something in two months? That you're going to be so embarrassed by you have to delete it and something never happens so you know get over yourself is what i say to myself anyway let's check out this new piece of writing that i think i'll keep going with um and maybe i'll do kind of a thousand words a day on it and then maybe edit kind of the other story or i don't know Maybe I'll change the whole plan or something. But this was fun. I wanted to read it on the show. Um, the file name is The Sycamore Tree. The Sycamore Tree. Oh, let me, before I really get into it too. It's in first person. This may not be exciting news to anyone. But I've really been adverse to writing in first person for a little while. You know, I go through phases, but... Um, but this was fun writing in first person. And I think I got there through 
writing the posts, but because those are often in first person, not always, but also from doing this podcast, I'm talking in first person. I want to use, find the writing that I can most naturally read and align my, the, the person who's talking right now on the show to the pros. How do I level that off? That's what I want to do. I don't want there to feel like a big difference between it. And then the daily posts, the little sketches I do every day, little cartoon sketches, I want them to feel the same as well. So that's something that I'm working towards right now. Sycamore tree. There's no telling about it. I've chopped down the tree. I've cut it down with an axe. It took me seven hours. It was the first tree I ever cut down in my life. I regret doing it, but I had to know what it was like. Inside of the last box, the Neptune peach box, it was covered in ants, and I did not know what to do with the tree. I wanted the ants to go onto the tree and for them to carry it off and deal with it, but they didn't care about the tree. I don't know if they even realized it exists. Those fucking ants. They moved across the ground to some kind of haunted shadow. I'm drinking water now. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Those ants were all over the Neptune peach box. I took it and tossed it at the tree stump. The ants exploded around, and then, like going in reverse, they all went back to the box. I've imagined how the ants have eaten parts of my body when I'm sleeping. I have imagined waking up with half of my nose and the bottom of my face eaten off by ants, no mouth. I went into town, to the supermarket. I was unsure what to buy. I bought five cans of soup. It seemed like they were chicken noodle. I brought them home. I ate one. I stared at the can for a long time. The sharp edge of the lid stuck up there. I felt scared that I would lose control of myself and try to squeeze it or to cut my arm with it. I sat and stared at the soup can for the entire evening, trying to assure control over my hands and myself, but the urge and the thoughts did not subside. In a fury, I took the can to the cliffside and, I, and before I tossed it off, I cut my hand above my wrist and below my thumb. It was a narrow cut and the pain was minimal. There was hardly any blood. The can went down. And then I went and found that Neptune peach box and I tossed it off the cliff too. All of those ants flying down like little bastards. I went back and found that sycamore tree. I pushed it through the other trees, through the dirt, and off the cliff. Goodbye, you damn sycamore tree. It flew down and smashed that Neptune peach box to bits. And there was all that crap. The can of soup, the busted Neptune peach box. We got a dog. We got a dog. And there was all that crap. The can of soup, the busted Neptune peach box, and the sycamore tree, lying there at the bottom of the cliff. I felt good then, looking at it all there. I found myself, without realizing it necessarily, with my thumb over that soup can cut. I began to feel sad then. I don't know why. I stood and thought about it, watching the sun fade off like a coward, but I did not come up with any answer. I've hoped my entire life that I'm not a fool, but it is apparent to me sometimes that is all I am. But in my defense, if I am so dumb, how could I not know I am a fool? 
Let me read that again. But in my defense, if I am so dumb, how could I know I am a fool? What a sign of intelligence, to see my own stupidity. I sat back in the kitchen of my cabin and thought of this. I wanted to extract the thought from my mind. I imagined it as a yellow orb, my intelligence, the part of my thoughts that I knew I was, that knew I was a fool. If it is possible to know what I don't know, then I could be in business. I could go back to the city one day. I could, no, I had to stop the thoughts. There was the idiocy again, thinking I could go back there. I had thought of growing mushrooms. I thought I could bring them to the city and sell them at the farmer's market. I considered talking to someone about it, but I became too frightened. What kind of fool would I be selling mushrooms like that, thinking I could grow any mushroom the people would want? That is how I came to the sycamore tree. I had seen some mushrooms growing there, I think. I knelt down and looked at them and didn't think much of them at first, but as I walked along, I thought that maybe I could grow them. I tried to deny the thought at first, but it wouldn't stop, so I went back. But someone had eaten it. A deer, maybe. I never caught the fucker. I was so angry. I went back and found that Neptune peach box. I set it up with some piece of minced chicken in there and waited for days. When I came back, I saw the whole trap I'd made was covered in ants, and that it was when the dreams and that is when the dreams began, but no longer. Not after I had tossed all that crap off the cliffside. It takes a lot of strength being as dumb as me. It takes a lot of courage facing the day, knowing how bad I'll mess things up. That much, I must admit. I have that yellow orb of intelligence, and I have the courage to leave my cabin. For that, I am proud. That's about a thousand words of something brand new, never edited. Is what it is. And I like it. And I feel better about it than I do about... Oh, shit. I just ran over a cable with my chair. It's still good. I'm not going to analyze this too much, but I'll continue with it and see how far I can get before I start to despise the, the writing, because that always kind of happens, but I wonder if there's a way to stay in a place where it is always enjoyable to write, not to go through all, all of the the heavy lifting i suppose of the of when it's when it's not fun to write not the heavy lifting it's it's not that it's just you know it can get weird but i like this and i think it, it was easy to read that in my voice and i could go back and chop it up and edit it and try to make it perfect but i don't know who that would be helping at this point so thank you for checking out the show today and take a look at the advertisement exchange program it's still up there I haven't got any 
submissions yet, but I'll keep checking. And um, well, I believe that's all for today. So really, thank you. I really enjoyed doing this show. And, and I hope you like listening to it. We'll see you next week.